So, all right, I'm going to share a message that God has given me this week for you. And it's kind of birthed out of uh, a little bit of Greg's message. Wednesday night, by the way, it was awesome. Thank you, uh, Greg, for your teaching. What a powerful message. And it's birthed a little bit out of the marriage conference. I was thinking about that this week as well. So you're going to hear a little bit of that about marriages as well. Um, but we're going to talk about developing a good heart for God. I'm going to say that again. Developing a good heart for God. There are some of us here this morning that you may have had your heart wounded or you may be discouraged and, and, and you're, you're going back a little bit and it's time that we begin to develop that good heart again. And, and what I mean, and so I want to ask you, you know, how good is your heart? And, and, but what does that really mean? How good is your heart? What I'm talking about is that um, you care more about your spiritual life than you do about the material things in your life. You get what I'm saying? In other words, it's about the spiritual side. And when I think about that, I think about a young man, a family that was in our church up in Greenwood many, many years ago when I was youth pastor in there. His children were in our youth group uh, and, and his wife worked with our youth ministry. He worked a little bit with our youth ministry, but they were really involved in the church. And he came to me and he said, Pastor Gary, he said that um, I have an opportunity to go get another job and they're gonna pay me four times what I'm getting paid right now. And I thought about that. I, Whoa, that's something that you need to pray about. And he said, yes, would you agree with me and start praying that, that, that we make the right decision? I said, absolutely. And so he goes and he, a week goes by. He comes back in my office a week later. He's got a big smile on his face. And he says, Pastor Gary, we've made a decision. We heard God. We are not going to move. We've talked about it and we felt that our children are growing so much and so involved and have so many friends already in this ministry. It wouldn't be right to take them away and it wouldn't be right to take my wife away. She's also involved, loves the church and she's growing spiritually. My kids are growing spiritually. I'm growing spiritually. I'm involved. And we thought about it. It would be crazy. A million dollars on top of a million dollars would should never pull us away from this place. And what I began to realize that day, I, I noticed that he had developed a good heart for God. That was a man who had a big, great heart for God right there. In other words, he cared more about the spiritual things in his life than he did about the material things in his life, that he could have had all that. And you know, I know a lot of people today that they will be driven by that. They will see something like that, say, man, that's me, I want that. But you know, in times like that, you have to be careful and actually, is that a distraction? I remember that when, for just a short season that I had an opportunity to do similar to that when I, whenever I left the ministry when it fell and I had to go back out in the corporate world and this company offered me, in the presence of my wife, a, a massive amount of money and Wilma looked at me and said, you and I both know that's a distraction. God did not call you to go work in that company. God called you to be a pastor, to be a minister. You need to get your eyes off of that. And I had to call him back and say, no. But you see, there are going to be times in our life where we have to understand what is more important, the spiritual or the material. You know, we're going to live a lot longer uh, 
in eternity in heaven than we are going to be in this earth. We can't take anything with us. So we have to work longer and harder to get to heaven on the other side than really right here. So what I want to do is I want to show you a man who had a great heart, had a big heart, okay, and, and, and had a good heart, and his name was Job. And I'm going to show you and contrast him a little bit with uh, the prodigal son as well. And we're going to look at this, okay? So I'm going to show you we need a good heart. We need to develop a good heart because God will always bless a good heart. And so I want to ask you before we dive in here, how good is your heart for God? Now let's take a look here and I'm going to show you some things that maybe you've not ever seen before in the Word. In Job chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Now this is a story about Job. There was a man in the land of Uz, whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright and one who feared God and shunned evil. That's powerful. <laughs> that's a good man. That, that's a man who had a good heart. That's a man who had a great heart for God. But he also had a lot of things too. Let me show you here. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. And also his possessions, here it is. He's had a lot of stuff, very wealthy man were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household. So that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. And so, so here we have this man, Job, had a good heart for God, but yet he still had a lot of, lot of possession. He had a lot of wealth, had a lot of things. But now I want, I want you to see something here. I'm going to show you how big his heart was. How many of you, and I'm going to ask you again, how good is your heart for God? And, and is God noticing your heart? Because I want you to see this. This is so powerful right here. Let's go to the next scripture. In Job 1 verses 8, then the Lord, about, let me pause, let me set this up. But we know the story of Job, right? And, and Satan comes to God and he says, I, I want to, I, I, I I want to attack this Job guy here, okay? And so they get in this conversation about, about if, if Satan can attack him, take everything away from him or not, okay? But now listen to this conversation. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth? Did you catch that? How many of you would like for God to say that about you? And he goes on, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil, shuns evil. Now, think about this for a minute. How many of you in this place this morning, if God wants to see your heart, could God say, hey, have you considered, you know, Denise, she is blameless. She has a big heart. She has a good heart after me. She loves me with everything that, 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 that is, is within her. She has a heart for me. And so, but no matter what he owned, he still had a big heart. But here's the thing. We all know the story, but Satan probably looked at him and said this, well, yeah, I know he has a big heart for you, God. I know, and the only reason why he has a good and a big heart for you is because he has all this stuff. You let me take away all the stuff that he owns and let's see how big his heart is for you then. Let's see how good his heart will be for you then, right? And so what happened? We know the story. So, so, so God takes his hand off him and said, okay, he's all yours. It's in one day, think about this, one day, Job lost everything. Everything was taken from him. 
As a matter of fact, there were, there, his friends were coming to him throughout the day and going, hey, you just lost all your cattle, Joe. And while that conversation was still going on, another one of his friends came and said, hey, you just lost all your, your donkeys. You just lost all of your sheep. Another one came, you just lost all of your land. You just lost everything you own, all your possessions. You lost it all. Then to make it, the, the, the very last one, to top it all off, he said, another friend came and said, you just lost all your children. Every one of them. They are all gone. In one day, he lost it all. Now, here's what I want, I want, I want, I want to tell you. There are people today that get angry that get mad, that get, that get bitter at God, and they blame God when they lose something or maybe lose a loved one. And the first thing they do, look what God did. Let me tell you something. That's not a good heart for God. Let me show you. After Job lost everything, everything was gone, what a good heart for God does. Let me show you here. At the very end, Job 1, verses 22. Watch this now. In all this, what happened? Job did not sin, nor charge God with wrong. Though he had everything, he, he had it all. And why was Job able to get here? Because Job took the time to develop a good heart for God. And so if Job was able to handle all this, and I'm, it was just literally I don't like saying this all the time, but it's literally hell here on earth. He lost everything, church, everything. Now think about you doing it, going through this. What would you do? How would you feel? But Job didn't sin. He didn't even charge God with any wrong. And so the question is, is how in the world can we develop a good heart for God so that we can get to this place? Because this is where we need to get as children of God, don't we? And so I want to find how, if Job can do it, then you know what? He was a man. Then guess what? We can do that. We need to know how to develop this good heart for God. And, and by the way, it actually comes in four stages. And there's stages that we go through. And it doesn't matter. It, it, it occurs in our marriages. It occurs in our businesses. And it also even occurs in our salvation too. Now, let me show it to you, okay? We're going to walk through this. And by the way, whatever stage that you're in, we can have a tendency to slide back to the old way if we're not careful. Because we have to continually to watch our heart. We have to develop a good heart for God. So let's take a peek here on how in this process and how it happened and what we need to do. And I'm going to make it in the, the presence with you. I'm going to make it personal. So I'm going to say I. Let's make it personal this morning. So we need I need, okay, for a little bit. So, so the first stage that we all go through is I need to recognize my selfish heart. Every one of us here, we all start right here. We are all born with a selfish heart. Now let's go to the prodigal story son here, uh, the son of the prodigal story here in Luke chapter 15, verses 12, because we, he had a selfish heart. It says this, the young one said, or the younger one said to his father, father, Give me. Right there. Get most powerful. What's the first word children learn? Mine, give me. I want. Give it's about me, me, me. Give me my share of the estate. So that he divided his property between them. Now, every person starts out in life, and, and we're still, many of us, we're still there. Give me. 
I want, I need. It's about me, 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 me. Children are all born with a selfish heart. You've heard me share this many, many times here. Look, you don't have to teach children to be selfish. Look, you don't, I don't have to get a bunch of kids in a room and I'm say, I'm gonna teach you how to be selfish. I'm gonna pick up this toy and I want you to say mine. No, they're just gonna say mine. That's mine. Give it to me. That belongs to me. And we also start here spiritually too. Did you know that? We all get saved for a, for a selfish reason. We don't want to die and go to hell. <laughs> we want to live forever. We want God to fix our problems. And guess what? God's okay with that. He wants us to come. He knows that. We ought to be selfish in those areas because I want, we want to be a better person. God, I need you to help me in these areas of our life. Help me fix this, God. Help me, help me, help me. But we get saved for selfish reasons as well. And also, we sit in marriages too. And why do we get married? Because we all have needs, don't we? I, I, I need my need, Matt. <laughs> so we all get married for, for, for reasons, to, to get our needs met. And by the way, if we don't slide out of this stage, we'll need a counselor because we'll probably get a divorce. <laughs> if you get married to get your need met, and I'm going to show you the reason why. Because you don't get your need met by your spouse. Here's, here's how we get our needs met. We, the way we get our needs met is, is, uh, is by meeting the needs of the other person. That's why you hear me say this all the time. And I can't say this loud and clear enough. The most happiest that we will ever be is when it's about the other person. The most miserable we're ever going to be is when it's about ourselves. So we get our needs met by meeting the need of the other person. You see, how many of y'all got grandchildren? How many of you got kids, little kids? All right. Okay, if you got grandchildren, you got kids, then here's the deal. You can all go with me. You know where I'm going with this. My son, when he was a little boy, it was about him. When he was little, you got Samuel. When Samuel comes to the house, who rules the house? Samuel does. Guess what? David don't get to watch what he wants to watch. Samuel gets to watch what he wants to watch. Papa, watch this, watch this. Papa, and, and Samuel gets to play with the toys he wants to play with. Never once does Samuel say, Papa, you can play with this. Papa, what do you want to watch? Caleb never asked me what I wanted to watch. I had to watch the big red dog like 100 billion times. <laughs> Is that still playing today? I don't know. You know, anybody, a big red dog and, and the little comfy couch and all the little dust bunnies that lived underneath of it. That's what he wanted to watch. Never once he said, he said, Dad, I want you to watch this. We go to Walmart. We had to go to the toy department. Am I lying? Those kids, it's about them. But here's the thing. We have to teach them, and eventually that we, they grow out of that selfish mode, and they start to mature, and they get onto the mode of saying, okay, it's time that I have to stop being about me and be about other people and learn. So this is a maturity level that we all have to get at. And so if we're going to develop a good heart, we have to identify this selfishness that tries to grip us in the areas of our life. So number one, so number one, we have to deal with this selfish heart. And that's where we all start. And the second level, if we're going to develop a good heart for God, because we need to develop this heart, is number two, I want to be used with my heart. Now, I know this sounds, let me explain what I'm talking about. I want to be used, but not just used. I want to be used with my heart, a good heart. Because when we're used, there's two levels of being used by God too. So you're either going to be used in a, in a good way or you're going to be used in a selfish way. 
Why? Why is it that you want God to use you? Do you want God to use you so you can look good? Do you want God to use you so everybody can look at you? They give you all the attention that they recognize you? Or why do you want God to use you? Let me put this up here. We want God to use us because we want to be successful and want to achieve things. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we have to get down to the, to the nitty-gritty and say, God, why do I want you to use me? Is it really so that people can notice me? We don't want God to use us because of that. That's not why we should want God to use us. We should want God to use us because we want to see people saved for his glory. That's why we want God to use us. You see, when we moved here, I, I, don't, I don't have a promotional place I can go. You know, this is not a denomination. This is not a place where, oh my goodness, I'm waiting for the big big cheeses to come in and I get promoted to, to something else. No, my next ticket, my next promotion, folks, is heaven. <laughs> That's it. I'm not going anywhere. When we came here, I came here for one purpose, one purpose only, is to get people saved. It wasn't about what I wanted. If it was what I wanted, I would have stayed back and listened to the doctor and say, Gary, what you need to is don't walk away from this because this cancer could come. I don't like to say that, but it could. No, no, I know it won't, doc. I'm going to let this go. God's healed me because I got a mission to go do, and I'm going to be used for the glory of God because there are people there that needs to hear about Jesus. <laughs> Why do we want God to use us? Is it just to look good? Now, let me take you to a story here where Peter and John were out praying, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost, man. They were filled with the power of God. They were going around praying for people. They were receiving the power of God and the Holy Spirit, and God was working and God was moving, but there was a sinner, but he was a believer, and his name was Simon, and he was a magician. He was used to being looked at. He was used to being noticed. And so I want that. He saw, he's like, that's cool, man. I want that power so that when I lay hands on people, people uh, uh, be uh, healed or be filled with the Holy Spirit too. Let me read you the story. Now, I want you to see this because you got to ask yourself the question, why is it that you want to be used with a bad heart? <laughs> It'd be selfish, but with a good heart for God, you'll do it for the right reason. Now, let me show you here. Acts 8, verses 19. Now, this, this uh, magician said, Give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. <laughs> if I pay you enough money, hey, I'm going to give you some money and so I can get the Holy Ghost in me so I can go pray for people and they get it. Wrong. <laughs> Watch. But Peter said to him, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter. Now watch what he says here. Get this in your heart. For your what? Heart is what not right in the sight of God. You have wrong motives why you want God to use you. It's not about other people. It is about you. You want people to look at you like you're a somebody. You see, pride is never going to get us anywhere. If we're going to be great in God's kingdom, there's a little song that says, you got to humble yourself in the presence of God. You have to humble yourself. And here's, the, here's what's his true motives right here. Put this up here. Simon wanted to operate in the gift of the Holy Spirit so what? So he could look important. How many times? And I, I, I've, met, I've met pastors wanting that. Praise God to God. I want a church. They don't ever talk. Have you ever been around them? You know what I'm talking about, Pat? You've seen them. They, they will say things like, like, I want to grow a church. 
They'll call me. Some pastors just call me and talk about, how you growing your church, man? I want a big church. I want to be able to know how you're doing this. I'm like, whoa, 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 hang on. You're not talking about anything about salvation. You're not talking about people that are lost. You're not talking about people who are, who are sick and needs healing. No, no, I, I never once came over to, I want a big church. If it grows, it grows. If it doesn't, I'm going to get up and preach regardless because I am in it to be able to help people get saved and set free from bondages in their life. I don't care if we grow down. If it grows, it grows. If it doesn't, praise be to God, I'm still going to preach because God is going to be number one. It's not about looking good. And I have to get them squared out, man. I said, dude, no, forget about growth. Healthy things grow. Just get your people healthy. You'll grow. But you know what? Health. What I'd be concerned about is salvation. What I'd be concerned about getting set people set free. But Simon wanted to operate in the gift of the Holy Spirit so he could look important. You know what? We do the same thing in marriages too, don't we? It's about me. I want what I want. See, Simon wanted what he wanted so he could be somebody. And here's what we'll do in marriages. And let me show you the wrong heart in a marriage is about me. It's about what I want. I counsel couples all the time, and I hear this. I'm not getting my need met, Pastor. Well, whoa, whoa, whoa. Sorry about that. I'm not, you ever hear it? I'm not getting my need met. And so here's what they do. They'll say, give me something that will make me happy. I want something that'll make me happy. Right? Well, well, I got, I got good news for you. <laughs> Your spouse can't make you happy. Only God can make you happy. And so we see it all the time. Oh, I want, I want somebody to make me happy, and they're not happy with their spouse, so they get a divorce from their spouse, and they go marry another spouse. And then that, that spouse don't make them happy. So they go get a divorce from that spouse, and they go get another spouse, and they try to make me happy. Well, they're not making me happy either. I'm going to get another. We see this in Hollywood all the time. <laughs> Bounce after person after person. They, they're not making me. Well, I got news for you. The only thing that will ever fulfill and complete us and make us happy is God. Nothing else. Nothing more, nothing less. And so what happens is, is so I, 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 if I, they're not making me happy, then I'm going to do the next one. Then I need to do something that will make me happy. And again, they go and they leave and they do what they're going to do. They go out on their own and divorce happens. And, and, you know, I told this at the first service. Let me tell you something. God did not create marriage to make you happy. God created marriage to kill you. <laughs> I got the same response from the first service. He did. He, 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 he created marriage to kill you. The reason why I know that is because the only way that we'll be, ever be happy, and God knows this, is that when you die to yourself, we must die. And I say this all the time. You know, I look at my wife and I say, well, how do I got to die today, honey? Well, I'm gonna, we need to go to the mall. Oh, my gosh. I, I would rather be drugged there behind the car on a rope. I'd enjoy that better. It's, but you know what? But I die because I love her and I know it makes her happy. And as long as she's happy, I'm dying walking through. I still don't like the mall, but I love my wife. And if you, guys, if you want a good marriage, learn to die. If you're not one willing to die, you don't have no business being married. Am I lying? If I'm lying, I'm dying. Does that make any sense? <laughs> but anyway, but if you want a good marriage, you got to learn to die. And, and, and the best way to die is live with somebody. Get married to somebody. And trust me, you'll die really quickly. I was thinking about this this morning. I told the first service. But could you imagine Jesus and God in heaven? And God knows that the only way that man could ever be happy is to die to self. 
And so, 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 so they're, they're having a discussion saying, how can we get man to be happy? And Jesus chimes and says, I got a great idea. Let's let them live together and get married. That'd kill them. <laughs> and then he gets another big broad idea. He says, oh, if that don't get them, let's let them have kids. That'd definitely get them. Right? How many agrees with that? But we, if, we, if, we're not, if you're going to have a good marriage, it's about dying. you got to lay down your life. Let me show you. God knows this. God knows if we are going to have a good marriage, if we're going to have a good life, it is about this right here. Let me show you. John 15, verses 13. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life. That's how we live is by dying. We die. You know what, Pat? He's got a he's got a full time job. He's bivocational, but yes, we pay him as a little part time salary here. But you know what? He has to die. He has to pay a price to do this young adult ministry. It costs him both of them. That couple works hard to do that, and they have to die. They have to lay down something. Denny and Betty the same way. They've got their business, but they'll come in here and they will put a marriage conference together. They have to die to their self and say, "I'm going to do this." But they do this not to be seen, not to be noticed. They do it because they want people changed and set free and saved. Amen. That's why they do that. We know what they do. They die. Use me, God. I want to die. I need to die. If we're going to be great, we have to die. And let me tell you something. We do what we do to make God happy, not us. Think about that. We do what we do to make God look good, not us. Think about that. Let that sink in. Why are you doing what you're doing? Why do we do what we do? Do do I do it because I want to look good? No. No. If you have a right heart for God, you'll say, God, I'm going to do what I'm doing. Because, God, I want you to look good. I want you to receive the glory. I'm just your servant, God. I'm just your messenger, Father. You see, that's having a right heart for God. I want you to ask yourself a question again. Do I have a right heart for God? Do I care more about the things that's spiritual or the things that's material? And see, this is a level we all have to get to. If you really want God to bless, and by the way, but if you get a right heart for God, I'm going to show you just what God will do in the end. It'll blow your mind what God did here, okay? But I'm not going to jump ahead of myself. So that's being used to God. So number one, we all start with a selfish heart, and that has to mature, and we'll grow out of that. You got to just say, God, okay, God, I need to develop a right heart. I need to develop a good heart here. But then the second stage is, God, I want to be used. But the only way I can be used, God, I got to make sure that I don't want to be used to be noticed. I want to be used for your glory. I want to be used because I need to see, I want to see people get saved, God. I want to be your vessel. And so we have to die. I want to be used, God. Why do I want a good marriage? If I want a good marriage, I have to die, God. All right? And so I want to be used with the right heart. And the third stage that we're going to go through if we're going to develop a a good heart is we have to say this, I want to search my heart. I want to search my heart. And David did this, I need to search my heart. Ask yourself that question. When's the last time that you said, God, is there anything in here that's not right? God, I want my heart to be right before you. I want me to have a good heart. Now let's go back to the prodigal son here. When he finally come to the place where he spent everything, he ruined his life, and he lands in this place where he's feeding the hogs, and when he begins to eat, that's all he had. He had to eat what the hogs was eating, slop and nastiness and mess. He just reminded himself this right here. Watch what he says. 
when he came to himself, when he finally came to himself and accepted the responsibility and didn't blame everybody else for his condition, and he began to realize, no, I am who I am and where I am right now at this stage in my life because of what I've done to my life, not anybody else. And you see, that's taking the full responsibility, saying, God, if my heart is going to be good with you, God, I have to accept this responsibility, God, and know that I am who I am, what I am, and where I am right now in my life because of what I've done, only me and me only. I can't blame my wife. I can't blame my elders. I can't blame the leadership around. I can only blame me. And you see, when you take that responsibility, that is a good heart before God. Remember, we even saw this on the cross. One, one of the thieves was, had, his, had a right heart. The other thief had a wrong heart. The, the thief that, that didn't want to accept Jesus, he, he died all right. But the one who accepted him, what did he say? I don't deserve to live. I deserve to die. You see, when we can get to that place where we can accept responsibility and humble ourselves, then God can give us that heart. And God will be pleased with that good and beautiful heart. He stopped blaming everybody else and accept this responsibility. Now, let me show you something here, that you will never mature in the Lord if you're always blaming everyone else for your situation. And by the way, all it takes is just one little blame, and you stop the process of growing. One blame. And you won't grow. You won't mature. You've got to stop blaming every. Nope. Nope, and we'll do it. But, but he, I, when I counsel couples all the time in that office back there, I, it, I never can find the guilty party, ever, because they're always blaming the other one. And I, I'm serious. I, I get up and say, I can't help you. I cannot help either one of you until one of you accepts the responsibility for your actions. You're, you're blaming this one. She's blaming that one. You're playing the same game that Adam and Eve did in the garden. The blame came. If you want help, you have to accept responsibility. Just one little piece of blame stops your growth process and that good heart from growing in you. And the enemy knows that. We have to be careful with that. Say, God, no, search my heart, God. If there's anything there, God, search it. Get that out in Jesus' name. And this is where marriages end up as well. It's, it's his fault. It's her fault. It's their fault. But here's what, here's what David tells us to do right here. In Psalms 139, verses 23 and 24, search me. Search me. When's the last time you've asked God to search your heart? Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Is it good or is it bad, God? Search. I give you permission, God. Search me, God. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. You want to know what stops a growing heart? You want to know what stops a good heart? You want to know what stops it? Let me show you what stops it right here. This is what stops it. Pride and insecurity will stop it immediately. When a person is walking in pride and insecurity, it causes us to become unteachable and unreachable. You ever met a person like that? Unteachable, unreachable, unworkable, pride and insecurity. And we'll say, you know what? You know what? God, we, we won't say, God, search my heart. We won't say, God, I need you. What we'll do is, 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 is we're not going to accept any responsibility. And I, so, I see so many believers living right there because they won't accept that responsibility. And the thing I'm learning about life is, you know, I'm not responsible for what someone else's actions and what they do. I'm only responsible for mine. But you want to know what stops us from having a pure heart? We're constantly looking at everybody else's heart. No. You know, my wife can't fix my problems. It is my responsibility to fix it. Why should I put that problem on her? 
It is my responsibility. I got to get me right. When I get me right, then, then, then our lives will be right together, right? And so, but I'm not responsible for her. Actually, I'm only responsible for mine. I got to get my life together. And so, number one, number one, if we're going to have a good heart and develop a good heart, we have to start with that selfishness and know that we have to mature out of that. Number two, we have to die. We have to what? We want to be used by God. We want God to use us, but we got to be used in the right way, not the wrong way. God, I want to be used because I want to see people saved. I want, I want to give you glory for it. I got to die. I got to die to myself. And number three, I want, to be, I want you to search my heart, God. Search me. Know everything about me, Father, in Jesus' name. Now, here's the last and final one. Pastor David and the praise team, you often come on up. The third one is, I want you to make me a new heart, God. Make me a new heart. How can he do this? Well, 1 Corinthians reminds us that, therefore, if anyone being Christ, he's a new creation, new person. Old things are passed away. And you know what? That's our heart, too. When you're a new person, you get a new heart. God can give you a new heart. And some of us this morning, we get our hearts bruised. We get our hearts beaten up because of the way of life. I know that. I get that. Trust me, my heart's been wounded, and, and I slide away. If I get off of any of these stages, I start sliding back, and, and I get a little bit, my heart gets wounded again, and I got to go back and start developing a good heart again, and I got to walk back now through this procedure. God, is there selfishness in me, God? God, why am, I, why am I wanting to serve you, God? Am I wanting to serve you for the right reasons, the wrong reasons? God, am I giving you permission to search my heart, God? If there's anything there, God, I want you to reveal it to me. And lastly, God, I need you to make me a new heart. And there's some of us this morning, we, we need God to make us a new heart. You need to make a new heart. You need to get back on this track and say, God, yeah, yeah, you got, you got hurt. Yeah, you got wounded. But I want to show you something, some good news here. In this story of the prodigal son, he accepted his responsibility instead of saying, give me. Now notice in the beginning, he said, give me my inheritance. But let me show you the change of heart now. Now he comes to the end in Luke chapter 15, verses 9. He said, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Does that sound familiar of the thief, the second thief that was dying with Jesus? I'm not worthy to live. I'm only worthy of dying. You getting what I'm saying? Responsibility. He finally accepts responsibility. He says, make me. Don't I want. Give me. No. Now he's saying, make me. And when you give someone permission to make you, they're going to make you whatever they need you to be. He's given his father, he says, make me like one of your hired servants. Yes, I know I'm your son. I don't deserve to be your son. But father, I ask that God, that you make me a servant of yours, God. Make me be a servant. You know, that needs to be our prayer. God, make me be a servant to my wife. Make me be a servant to this beautiful congregation. Make me be a servant to our staff and our leadership. God, make me be a servant in my business. Make me be a servant, God, to my peers and the people around me. Make me be a servant, God. God, make me be a servant. You see, I want people to see Jesus, not me. This is what all this is about. I, I, it's not about me. It never has been about me. It's never been about you. If you're going to be a servant of God, it's about people. And we had our, had our little mission statement many years ago. It's all about people receiving God's best. That's really what we build it on. 
And that's what we want. We want God's people to experience God's best. It's not about me. It's about people receiving Jesus. Now, here's what I want, want you to get at this morning. And some of you, you've been hurt, you've been wounded, and your heart's been crushed. <clears throat> I know. Mine's been beat up many, many times. And it's easy to try to blame everybody else for it. But until you can come to the place, say, no, I got to accept responsibility for who I am and what I am and where I am right now. Search me. Time that I grow up. It's time that I mature. Time that I quit being so selfish. And God, I give you permission to search my heart. But God, I want to give you, I'm giving you complete permission, God, to give me a new heart, God. But I'm going to tell you, when you develop a good heart for God, God will always, always, always bless it. Remember Job? He never once got mad at God. He never once blamed God. And you know what? We, we go through just not even a part of what Job went through. And we'll go, we blame God for everything. Well, God, look what God did to me. <laughs> Have we heard it? I mean, you've heard people say that. And then they're wounded and they're, I'm never going to church again. Man, the enemy set you up. You believe the lie. God never did that to you. Never. It's just called life. It's called we live in a sinful world. But what God promises us is a way out. He says, stay true to your heart. Develop a good heart. And I promise you, I'll bless you. Don't get mad. Don't get angry. You stay true. Look, it, you may have lost it all. But if you hold on, God will bless it back. God will give you two times back what you lost. But many people never get there because they don't ever get to that place of developing a good heart again. They live in a heart that's wounded and bruised and, and mean and hateful and blaming everybody. And what a miserable place to be. God's come to set you free. God's come to give you life. And God, not just life, but give you life more abundantly, church. Let me show you what he did to Job. Two times more. This is what he had to begin with. Job 1, verses 2 and 3. And seven sons and three daughters were born. Notice that seven sons and three daughters was born to him. And also his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household. So that this man was the greatest of all the people of Egypt. That he was greatest then, but God, it all got taken away, right? And so guess where he's at now? Because he stayed true. And he kept a good heart for God and did not waver, didn't blame God, didn't complain, didn't sin through the whole thing. But he still knew that God was not done. God still had control and God still had a plan for his life. Watch how it ends. Job 42 verses 12 and 13, the very end. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. How many of you could use a little bit more blessings right now? Maybe you've gone through a lot. For he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. And he also had seven sons and three daughters. God blessed him and multiplied it double everything that he had. But if you're really sharp, you probably just caught that. Wait a minute. He gave him double of everything, but not his kids. Really? He didn't. Yeah, he did. Because kids live forever. He's got seven sons in heaven and three daughters in heaven. So God just gave him back seven sons again and three daughters. 
And I thought about that. I thought, well, God, yes, they live forever. He doubled them. But why didn't he double them here on earth? Because he knew that kids can kill you. So he figured he, he, they're gonna, he's already died enough. He had enough already. <laughs> that's, my, that's, all, that's, that's my story. I'm sticking with it. That's all I got. But I'm telling you this morning, church, develop a good heart for God and watch what God will do. God will bless you. God will bless you. God will multiply it. There's some of you, you've been hurt, you win, and you're like, when is it over, God? When's it over? Well, just stay true. Just keep a good heart. Hang in there and just wait and watch what God will do. Hey, Brandon, God didn't heal your mom instantly, did he? You had to wait. How many, a year, what'd you say? A year and a half out? Hello, that seemed like a lifetime. But you know what? You keep a pure, right heart for God, and he'll give it to you. And I think God's getting ready to bless her two times as much as what she had before. Because that's our God. And there's some of you right now, you're right there. Stay true. Hold in there. Hold on. Hold on. Develop a good heart. Watch that pride. Watch that selfishness. Okay? And when you do something, do it with the right reasons, not the wrong reasons. Don't be selfish. But say, God, I'm going to do it to be your servant. And God, search my heart. And lastly, God, give me a new heart if it needs to be, God. Totally get rid of God and give me a whole new heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Come on. Father God, I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for your power. I want to thank you, God, for what you're doing in this church, God. God, right now, I want to thank you for moving. And God, there are some of us that we've been hurt. We've been wounded. God, we've all been there. And God, for whatever reason, we're sliding back to the old pattern. But God, this morning, I just pray that God, that there'll be some champions that will step up and say, God, no, you're not finished with me, God, and I'm not finished with you. God, I'm gonna let you continue, God, continue, God, to develop a good heart in me, God. And God, I'm gonna do the right things, God. I'm gonna get in the right pattern of life and give you my all, God. And God, just remain true. And God, just wait. And just wait, God, and see what you're gonna do in my life, God. Because God, I know that God, that if you could do it for Job, God, you could do it for me. God, if you did it for Moses, you could do it for me. God, and all the others, God, if you could do it for them, God, you could do it for us, God. God, if you did it for, for Joshua and Caleb, God, God, you could do it for us, Father. And God, that's our prayer. Let us keep a pure heart, God. Let us keep a good heart, God. And just watch, just watch, God, the blessings begin to come. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Would you